0: Thessalonians chapter number 1, 1 Thessalonians chapter 1. Several years ago on a Wednesday night, we went through 1 Thessalonians verse by verse. It was a blessing to me. I hope it was to you also. We're going to look at 1 Thessalonians chapter number 1. While you're turning, let me quickly tell you the story. It's found in the book of Acts in chapter number 17. Paul was on his second missionary journey, and uh, he came to this town called Thessalonica. And uh, he started, as he always did, he started having Bible studies in the synagogue where the Jewish people met. And uh, if they received him, fine. If they didn't, he would uh, go to the Gentiles. He had been having Bible studies in the synagogue for three Saturdays, three Sabbaths, when a group of troublemakers came into town. And troublemakers, uh, they, they were... Uh, of the Jewish faith, but they were not, uh, you know, there's people in every faith that they're, they, are they they it's, it's really political to them. They're not serious about what they believe. And there's sincere people in every faith. I heard, I'm not picking on the Amish people, but I, I met a, a uh, missionary recently, or I, I ran into him. I've known him for years, but that is a missionary to the Amish people in a certain community in Missouri, and he was telling me. I, I see. I always thought if you're Amish, that you're either you're saved or you're pretty close to being saved. He said, "No." He said uh, they don't preach the gospel. They don't believe the gospel. They are all about works. Well, we all know if you're Am- Amish, you're not allowed modern conveniences. You know, you're not allowed to um, drive a car, things like that. Uh, so he was he said, "Let me tell you how hypocritical they are in in the Amish community near us he said they 're to the place where if they have an emergency or they need to call somebody, uh, they will use your cell phone they just can 't touch it so in other words, they will say, hey, can you make a call for me and they 'll dial the number and then they 'll hold it up to your ear and they can 't touch it they 'll just make the so uh, just you know that's that 's a pretty extreme legalistic way there you know and I'm not picking on Amish people I'm saying to you in every faith there are people who take their faith seriously and then there's people who are just playing games with it and so uh these guys were the, these were zealots these were people who were just trying to win a a religious war and they would follow Paul around wherever he went from city to city so they came right behind him in Thessalonica and started to get the people in Thessalonica stirred up against Paul. So Paul was only there for three weeks, and then he moved on to the next town, the town of Berea. But he never heard. Three weeks, that's not time to get a church off the ground. That's not time to get this new group of believers established in three weeks. But he had to move on because the threat to his life was so great. So they move on. And Paul keeps on wondering. I wonder how the Christians, the new believers, are doing back in Thessalonica. You can read this for yourself in Acts seventeen. I wonder how the new believers are doing back in in Thessalonica. You have to, by the way, you have to compare Acts seventeen to the Book of First Thessalonians, and you'll see these details. And I wonder how those believers, those new Christians, and and then persecution came to Berea, and so they they. Convinced Paul to move from there. So from there, he goes to Athens, Greece. And while he's in Athens, and he splits up from Timothy and Silas. They go somewhere else. And they, Timothy and Silas wind up going back to Berea. And there's Paul in Athens thinking, I wonder how those new believers are doing back in Thessalonica. You can read this for yourself in 1 Thessalonica. I wonder how those new believers are doing back in... So finally, he reunites with Silas and Timothy. He says, Timothy, I've got an assignment for you. You have got to go back to Thessalonica and find out how they're doing. He's assuming that after only three weeks of being saved and and being uh, in the Bible and taught in the things of the Lord, surely it just died out. Surely there's no church there. Surely the believers have gotten discouraged and just sort of disbanded. And Timothy goes back there and he comes and brings word back to Paul. He says, you're going to believe this. They have the most thriving, vibrant church there of all the churches that we've ever started. I mean, they are winning people to Christ. They are growing. They are starting other churches. They are sending out missionaries. to. I mean, it is one of the greatest things you've ever seen. Which, by the way, just goes to show God uses people. But, man, he can do a whole lot just on his own. So... Now Paul sits down and under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, he writes this letter that we call the book of 1 Thessalonians. And this is Paul's letter to them. say, Pastor, if that's the introduction, we're in for a long message this morning. I don't think you are, but I wanted to fill you in on that story before Brother Freddie comes and sings for us. Let's read 1 Thessalonians 1, verses 1 through 10. Why don't you stand with me and uh, get those muscles stretched out a little bit, take in some... Aaron, let's read 1 Thessalonians 1, 1 through 10 in unison. Ready? Paul and Silvanus and Timotheus, unto the church of the Thessalonians, which is in God the Father and in the Lord Jesus Christ, grace be unto you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. We give thanks to God always for you all, making mention of you in our prayers, Remembering without ceasing your work of faith and labor of love and patience of hope in our Lord Jesus Christ in the sight of God and our Father, knowing, brethren, beloved, your election of God. For our gospel came not unto you in word only, but also in power and in the Holy Ghost and in much assurance as ye know what manner of men we were among you for your sake. And ye became followers of us and of the Lord, having received the word in much affliction with joy of the Holy Ghost, so that ye were in samples to all that believe in Macedonia and Achaia. For from you sounded out the word of the Lord, not only in Macedonia and Achaia, but also in every place your faith to Godward word is spread abroad so that we need not to speak anything for they themselves show of us what manner of entering in we had unto you and how ye turn to God from idols to serve the living and true God and to wait for his son from heaven whom he raised from the dead even Jesus, which delivered us from the wrath to come. Let's pray. Father, please, I pray, speak to us this morning. Show us that message that you have for each of us. Lord, there's one message. There's one human preacher today. There's about 100 different people in here with that many different needs. And you know how to speak to each of them. And so I pray that you'd speak to us today. I pray that you'd have your way. I pray, Lord, that you'd help us to be sensitive to the voice of the Holy Spirit. And I pray that you'd move among us. Thank you for loving us, Lord. We love you. Please speak to us today. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. Be seated, please. It's an honor. I'll stop right there. That's enough of a statement right there. It's an honor to serve the Lord. Amen. But for me, it's an honor to serve the Lord in a church full of people, full of believers, who also faithfully serve the Lord. I've got to say, as a pastor, as a husband, it is an honor to serve the Lord alongside of my wife who serves the Lord just about as close to 24-7 as a person can get. You would not believe the... The amount of time that she gives day and night, just meeting needs and uh, responding to pleas for help. Plus doing the little jobs around the, just around the property here, things that need to be done. And it's an honor to serve the Lord with my wife. It's an honor to serve the Lord with those of you that do the work of soul winning of going out and spreading the gospel all across the city of Danbury, knocking doors, passing out tracks, inviting people to church, winning people to Christ. It's an honor to serve the Lord with bus workers who visit the homes of people every Saturday and then come and ride on a bus every Sunday and ride every Sunday afternoon and make it possible for people to come to church and been doing that for years, year in and year out. It's an honor to serve the Lord with a youth director and his wife and, and the the tremendous job that they're doing with the teenagers in this room right now and uh, faithfully. And they, uh, you know, I mean, I've, I, I was there for the first seven years of, of our church going to work and working 40, 50 hours a week uh, just driving a bus and then for, for many times on top of that, getting up at two thirty in the morning to go and uh, throw newspapers for four hours every morning, seven days a week. And, uh, to, and then on top of that to, uh, come to church and, and, uh, be fresh at church. And back in those days when I came to church, we, we had to set up chairs and so we would uh, s- set the whole thing up. We we had a, uh, a temporary platform and the pulpit and uh, PA everything the PA the the chairs the hymn books everything had to be uh, taken down from a dance hall and set up as a, as a church auditorium and uh, sometimes that was every week I'm saying uh, can I can I tell you I, I praise the Lord they don't have to set up the church building but as far as working uh, all week long. And then doing the Lord's work at night and on the weekends. Uh, Brother Zach and and, uh, Catherine are right now exactly where Amy and I were in those early days. Uh, no, they're not starting a church, but they are uh, they are making things go here in the bus ministry and, and with the teenagers. And uh, it's an honor to serve the Lord alongside of them. It's an honor to serve the Lord uh, alongside our uh, pastor's assistant. That's Brother Freddie's title, if you didn't know that. He's the pastor's assistant. What does that mean? It means he does whatever I need him to do. And uh, he, he's uh, just a helper and always willing and uh, always always giving his best he also leads our RU ministry and does a has done a tremendous job there it's an honor to serve the lord with a song leader who puts his heart and soul into every song. It's an honor to serve the Lord with our choir who who sings and and uh, practices. And you know, the, the the singing is one thing. That's one reason I like to have them sing it twice. I think, man, they put so many hours into practicing that song and they only get to sing it once. Let's have it again. But, uh, but the main reason is because it blesses my heart. But praise the Lord for a choir that loves to serve the Lord and people who do special music and uh, those of you, and uh, I'm not, I'm not criticizing or indicting anybody, but you know who you are. You can sing, just the thought of getting up here scares you to death. Well, they overcame that, and they practice and they sing. Everybody who sings special music and uh, the ladies who play the instruments. And it doesn't have to be ladies who play the instruments. If any of you men know how to play uh, the piano or anything, you let me know. But uh, we'll take just about anything but maybe the drums. But uh, anyway, uh, those who play the instruments and uh, uh, the the folks who work the PA booth, and most of the time that's Brother Rob, but there's others who help in that. And uh, those who serve the Lord by being ushers, and those who serve the Lord by being greeters those who serve the Lord by uh sitting watch as security for us and uh when we hear of the shooting like the one that took place yesterday we go well man I go to church that's scary praise the lord we have some things in place now uh, we we could do more we will do more but right now they say the number one deterrent the number one safety measure that a church can take is just to lock your doors and uh, so we do that in every service sunday morning sunday night wednesday night we've got somebody sitting there before they let anybody in that door they are are uh, um uh, you know they look to see who it is that's why that mirror is out there the door is downstairs locked so nobody can get into our kids and you say well somebody could pull a locked door open yeah but it would make such a commotion we'd have time to prepare you know what i'm saying Uh, i'm saying we can't stop the morons and the idiots in the world but praise the lord we have men that are willing to take precautions to to look out for us and and that's service to the lord i praise the lord for the people that work in the financial office and and uh i think i'd go out of my mind if i had to pastor the church and do that too i'm so glad that i don't have to. And that's a heavy burden. Every Sunday night, I generally leave here sometime about nine o'clock on Sunday night. When I leave, the financial people are still here uh, and uh, keeping the records and paying the bills and making sure that everything is cared for properly. The cleaning crew, that uh, the, the main cleaning crew comes and cleans on Saturday morning. There's other people also throughout their week that run a vacuum or straighten things up or put things away in service to the Lord, uh, people who prepare Sunday school food, the ladies that uh, prepare for my class out here every Sunday, and uh, my wife prepares food up in the house every every single Sunday, and uh, in service to the Lord, the workers in the teen house, and I think probably nothing against you, teenagers. We love you. You're awesome. But most people in this room, if you had to work the teen house, would go out of your mind because uh, get a bunch of teenagers in in one room. And and uh good luck, God bless you. The workers in the teen house, Sunday school teachers who show up every week faithfully, who pray for their class every week, who prepare their lesson every week, who come to church and they don 't just they don 't just come and they are served they come and they serve the Lord every week, groundskeepers who uh, cut the grass and and uh, keep the place clean and and uh uh, well my favorite job on the planet yeah. <laughs> uh raking leaves which uh yeah. It gets done in bits and pieces here. Praise the Lord we don't have a lot of, of uh, trees to drop leaves here. But the groundskeepers here and and uh, the Sunday dinner workers, three weeks from today is our next Sunday dinner. And to see you come and to serve the Lord. And the Danbury Blitz that we do twice a year of, of just so many people going out, knocking doors, putting in door hangers and and uh, giving tracks and, and winning uh, the lost. Nursery workers, people who come to prayer meeting on Wednesday night and we're here for a little over an hour, maybe an hour, five, hour, ten minutes, and and, uh, half to three-quarters of that time is spent in praying for people's needs. That's service to the Lord. And we could go on and on. And by the way, if I didn't happen to mention what you do, that's no slander. That's no uh, 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 hit on you. It's just that I mentioned a few. Now listen carefully. Your relationship with God is absolutely not a performance-based relationship. In other words, God doesn't love you based on what you do for Him. That's very important for us to understand that. So I don't do any of those things you just listed. God doesn't love you any less. God doesn't love folks who do those things any more than he loves you. Your relationship with God is not a performance-based relationship. But, I have to say, serving the Lord is an essential part of your relationship with him. You don't serve the Lord so he will love you. You serve the Lord because he loves you. And because He loves you, you want to please Him. You want to be part of His cause. You want to fulfill His purpose for the human race. By the way, let me say, coming to church is not serving the Lord. It's a good thing to come to church. Reading your Bible is not serving the Lord. These are matters of obedience. They're very important, but serving the Lord means helping His cause forward. That includes taking his gospel to the world. That includes helping people grow in grace. That includes being willing to be the face of his church, serving the Lord. Now, the church in the city of Thessalonica was a church that was filled with people who loved to serve their Savior, and they were very effective at serving him. The entire first chapter, which we just read, talks about the people's great service to the Lord. Listen carefully. Verse 2 says that their service caused the Apostle Paul to give thanks for them. That is, if you read all these verses in, that, in their context, their service caused the Apostle Paul to give thanks for them. He said, we give thanks to God always for you all. Verse 3 says that their service made a strong impression on Paul's memory. He said, remembering without ceasing your work of faith and labor uh, of love and patience of hope in our Lord Jesus Christ. Verse 4 says that their service helped to convince Paul that they truly had been saved. He said, knowing, brethren beloved, your election of God. That wasn't the only thing that convinced him that they were saved, but it helped to convince him that they had truly been saved. Don't forget, I explained a minute ago that he left there after three weeks. He was forced to leave there after three weeks, and he wasn't really sure what they had accomplished there. But when he saw their work for the Lord, he was persuaded. Wow, those people got it. Knowing, brethren, beloved, your election of God. Verse 7 says that their service made them great examples to other believers so that you were in samples to all that believe in Macedonia and Achaia. Verse 8 says that their influence caused them to have a great, I'm sorry, their service caused them to have a great influence for God. It says, for from you sounded out the word of the Lord, not only Macedonia and Achaia, but also in every place, your faith to God' word is spread abroad, so that we need not to speak anything. Their service was not just busy work. They served the Lord, just like so many of the examples that I gave you a few minutes ago of how you, the people of this church, serve the Lord. They serve the Lord. Their service was not just busy work. Their service made a difference. I want to serve the Lord. And I want my service to make a difference. Say amen if you want to serve the Lord. Say amen if you want, to want your service to make a difference. I want my service to please to please Jesus. I want my service to the Lord to help transform lives. I want my service to the Lord to bring glory to God. I want my service for the Lord to impact the culture of our city. I want my service to the Lord to last for eternity. I want my service to make a difference. Now, if you look at verse 3, you'll see three characteristics of the Thessalonian Christian's service that caused it to make a difference. First of all, it was a work of faith. And then the Bible says that their service was a labor of love. And then it says that it was done in patience of hope. Faith, love, and hope. By the way, if you study that throughout the New Testament, you'll see that triple set there. Uh, I started to say triplet. I guess that's the word. You'll see those three characteristics again and again. Faith, love, and hope. Faith, love, and hope. These three qualities cause their service to make a difference. Every believer should want to serve your Savior. You're cheating yourself if you don't have a desire to serve the Savior. Serving the Savior is not just something that the preacher does. I get paid a full-time salary to serve the Savior. Yes, there is a very heavy responsibility that lies upon me to serve the Savior. But I was serving the Savior when I was a 10-year-old boy and 12 and 15 and a college student. I was serving the Savior as a pastor when I wasn't getting paid a dime to do it and when it actually cost me money to do it. Every believer ought to have the desire to serve the Savior. By the way, every believer can serve the Savior. There's a way that you can serve the Lord. There's something you can do to serve the Lord. You should want your service to make a difference. And the way to serve the Lord and be sure that your service is making a difference is to do it as a work of faith, As a labor of love and in patience of hope. Let's talk about those quickly. We'll be finished. Service that makes a difference is a work of faith. I do because I believe. Serving the Lord is how you show that you truly believe. I don't like knocking on doors any more than you do. But Jesus said, go into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. Knocking on new doors is just one way to do that, but it is an effective way to do that. It's a thorough way to do that. Passing out tracts, I do that to show what I truly believe. I do God's work because I believe God's word. The Bible said, Jesus said to go out in the highways and compel them to come in. Nothing does that more effectively than the bus ministry does. And so we have a bus ministry, we serve in the bus ministry, and we give. We go through all the hassle of buying these buses and getting them on the road and keeping them on the road. And you say, Pastor, that's a lot of work and that's a lot of money. Yes, but we do it because it makes a difference as a work of faith. It shows what we believe. My service is what makes my faith live. Jesus said, I'm sorry, James said that faith without works is dead. So faith with works is alive. My service is what makes my faith live. Once again, three weeks from today, we will serve, we will show the love of Christ And with that, we do that, it makes our faith live. Listen, if you work in the Sunday dinner, you have to admit, your faith doesn't ever feel any more alive than it does the Sunday night after the Sunday dinner. You feel like, man, I'm, I'm, I'm living for Jesus. That was awesome. Service that makes a difference is a work of faith. Service that makes a difference is a labor of love. I serve God because I love him. Paul said, the love of Christ constraineth me. That means the love of Christ drives me. That's the work that the Sunday school teacher does. I serve God because I love him. I love him so much that I want to help some teenagers to know how to love him too. I love him so much that I want to help a, a, some, some uh, fourth grade boys or some second grade girls know how to love him too. I serve God because I love him. I serve God because I want to share his love with others. As you go and you you, uh, see the, the bag that we give out on the Sunday of the Sunday dinner, on the side of it, it says, Behold the love of God. That is not a direct quote from the Bible, but it is a reference to 1 John 3, 1. Behold what manner of love the Father hath bestowed upon us, that we should be called the sons of God. Behold the love of God. On any given day as you drive the streets of Danbury, you can see, somebody carrying stuff in one of those bags that they got at a Sunday dinner. And it's just a reminder that we went to share the love of God with some folks and by the grace of God, they got it. Service that makes a difference is a labor of love. Love covers my action with compassion. You know, it's very possible as you serve the Lord just to have cold, militaristic action. But love a labor of love covers that action with compassion people need to see our tears people need to see our compassionate hearts it means you you serve but you you don't just go through the motions you care about people's needs you care about people's hurts you care about people's dreams you care about people's fears service that makes a difference. I want to serve my God, and I want my service to make a difference. Service that makes a difference is a labor of love. It's a work of faith. And then it says patience of hope. Service that makes a difference is done with patience of hope. What does that mean? It means that you are willing to do it for a very long time. It means that you're not in it for the short term. You're in it for the long term. I'm in it for the long haul because I know God is in control. I don't give up on anybody because I know that God is working. Listen, God works in hearts over time. Just because you sowed a seed today and nothing happened doesn't mean that God is done working. Can I beg you, if you have a desire to serve the Lord, keep praying for people. Keep interacting with people. Keep loving people. By the way, you you had some maybe you had somebody in your Sunday school class, and they came a couple of times. They never came back. Don't hound them. Just be there for them. You meet them at the store. You don't have to drop any hints. Well, the class sure has been empty since uh, you've been missing. And uh, oh, don't don't, don't drop pins. I never forget. We had a fellow got saved many many years ago we were we were uh, still in brewster we were at soul winning one day and my father just ran across this this fellow's path good guy he got saved he was faithful to church for a very long time until he moved out of town but he went visiting with me one saturday we were making some visits and we made a visit and uh we got done with the visit his name was ricardo ricardo said he see, no, pastor you don't have to tell us that we should have been in church last Sunday. He said, you don't have to tell us anything. He said, you come by to see us. As soon as we see you, we know. We know what we're supposed to be doing. He said, just the fact that you came by is all the help we need. I'm saying, folks, we, we don't have to lecture people. I, listen. I don't, I don't mean to be hurtful to anybody, but I'm just trying to instruct you a little bit. There's a long list of people who used to come to church who don't anymore, who quit coming to church because somebody tried to instruct them. I don't mean in church. I mean out on the sidewalk somewhere. Somebody critiqued the car they were driving. Somebody called them, you know, this, judged them. And now they don't come to church anymore. And those are real things. I didn't make that up. I'm saying you don't have to instruct them. You don't have to go and buy anybody's house and lecture them. Just love people. Just let them know you're there. Let them know you care about them. They're going to make their choices. And by the way, whether or not they are right with God is not determined by whether or not they're a part of our church. If we, want, if we can help them find, if, if they find God somewhere else, that's fine. I just want them to know God. I don't give up on anybody because I know God is working. I don't get discouraged and quit because I know God has promised to reward my efforts. If I could share a verse with Mrs. Chapman this morning for whom we prayed earlier, it would be Galatians 6, 9. Let us not be weary in well-doing, for in due season we shall reap if we faint not. That's one of my favorite ministry verses. God says if we keep sowing and we don't give up, we will reap a harvest. We're finishing up here. Service that makes a difference is done in faith, love, and hope. Faith is why you serve. Love is how you serve. Hope is how long you serve. Faith gets you going. Love keeps you going. Hope keeps you from quitting. Faith drives you to action. Love gives you compassion. Hope teaches you endurance. I'll say this. The gospel message, the the message of Jesus Christ and and his church has endured and thrived around the world for 2,000 years. That's one of the most astonishing facts. You can debate all day long about the Christian faith and Is God real and is the Bible true and was Jesus for real and all that? One thing you cannot deny because it's just a fact. His institution called the local church has gone from one tiny little region of the world and it is now all over the world 2,000 years later. Can you tell me a chain of stores that did that? Can you tell me a chain of restaurants that has done that? Can you name any entity in the history of the world that has done that gone from one tiny little region and now it has gone all over the world and has endured and is thriving after two thousand years but you know how it has done it it hasn't done it with big shot preachers and I I praise the Lord for great men of God I, I read them daily I like to quote them they, they motivate me and challenge me and teach me. But the church of Jesus Christ has not thrived and gone around the world for 2,000 years because of some famous preachers. It has thrived and it endures because of servants of the Lord by the multiplied millions whose names we don't know. We don't know who kept the nursery in some church that was hiding from the state church to be spared persecution in the 1200s A.D. in the dark ages. We don't know who was teaching Sunday school in the Little First Baptist Church, the foundation of that church, the building was so small, the ch- foundation can fit inside this room easily. Probably times two it could fit in this room. They had teachers teaching the children. We don't know who they were. We don't know if you go over to Brewster and you see the old Southeast Church there where Fanny Crosby went to church when she was a little girl. We don't know who swept that building out. We don't know their name. We don't know the people who did all the jobs that you do here. But I do know this. Those are the people. Those are the people. Who brought the local New Testament church from Jesus to us. Servants. Of the Lord. God bless you, servants of the Lord. And if you're not doing anything in service to the Lord today, I beg you, ask God to show you. Ask me to show you. Pastor, what could I do around here? Not to not to make the church better. That's a secondary product. But in service to the Lord. I want to serve the Lord. First thing I'll probably do is hand you a dozen tracts and say, get rid of these this week. Because that's something we all can do. There, there's a rack full of them back there. Take a handful and get them out this week servants of the Lord. Father, I pray that you'd help each of us to dedicate.